This episode brought to you by Gilcon and Associates, a division of the Gilday Group, locally operated and family-owned commercial construction company specializing in financial buildings, industrial manufacturing, and historical restoration. Visit www.thegildaygroup.com for more information. Okay. Testing, testing. You have to say something, too. Hello, testing, <laughs> See testing. See if yours works. <laughs> Hello world, this is DJ Craven and you're listening to the Craven Happiness Podcast. This is episode number four. Thank you for listening. I'm uh, very excited uh, to introduce my guest, so we'll dive right into that. Um, if you could, for the audience, give us your name and what you do and kind of who you are, a little bit of background, and we'll go from there. Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Jen McDonough. Um, I am a special ed teacher turned attorney, turned kind of back to special ed teacher because <laughs> now here at Allegheny College, I um, work part-time in the disability services office as academic support specialist. Um, so for half the week, I'm in here um, working with students who need accommodations and making sure that those accommodations are being given and that they don't have any questions about content specific um, stuff with their classes. Um, I also, it turns into a life coach a lot of times, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I love. And then the other half of the week I do title type of attorney work. Okay, Real great. estate and, yeah. Great. So let's, um, so before we get into all that, let's dial it back a little bit. Where are you originally from? Okay, so DJ, that's a loaded question. That's good. We like loaded. Okay, good. <laughs> We've got time for that. Good, okay. So I'm an army brat. Yes. And my mom is an Irish immigrant. So, okay. So uh, she came over as a teenager to Pittsburgh, met my dad at Duquesne. My dad was in ROTC. That's how he was paying for college. Um, he joined the army. And then um, I was born in Germany. At the time, it was West Germany. Yeah. But I was born in Heidelberg, Germany. And then um, I grew up all around, um, mostly Europe. I spent a couple years, my dad taught at West Point for a couple years, and oh. then we went back to Europe. But we always tried to, my dad tried to get European assignments um, for my mom to be close yeah. um, to home. And so I didn't live, live in the US until college. Oh, okay. Um, so I lived in Germany, Holland, England. Um, we spent a lot of time in Ireland, of course. Wow. Um, and then I went to undergrad in Virginia, and I chose James Madison University because my my American cousins went there, <laughs> and I didn't know where else. And I was like, I don't know. So I just followed them. Yeah. Um, and uh, their dad had been in the army too, so we were all sort of raised as siblings. We we were on a lot of the same tours together, and so um, I followed them to school. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So that's wow. That's I didn't know all of that. I knew that, that yeah. I thought I remembered the <laughs> word army brat in there, but right. I didn't realize it was all of that detail. That is now that's pretty cool. So yeah. there's so many questions there. So from a from a bilingual language standpoint, you probably speak multiple languages, or were you primarily still in like a, an English speaking bubble throughout this whole process? Yeah. Well, um, I could have been. Uh, the base, the bases over there have housing and and mm -hmm. schools. I went to school on bases, but my parents wanted us to experience the economy, the the host nation, wherever right, we were. Yeah. So we actually, I didn't grow up on base. Okay. Um. So um. I did 
apparently speak German before I spoke English because my <laughs> nanny was German. I've lost it all. Oh, okay. Um, I know enough Dutch to get by. Yeah. But Holland is, is interesting. The Dutchies really are the friendliest people in the world, and they always wanted to practice English on us. So if they caught that you were American, they would ask if they could speak English to you and sort of practice. Right. Um, so I, we got spoiled. Um, and then, of course, I, I took Spanish like in high school and stuff. Yeah. But that's really it. I, yeah. I was, I'm, I'm really not proud to say that. Yeah. But I, <laughs> that's okay. But I could like get us on a bus in Amsterdam and get us to like the museum we right. to go. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah. No, which is very cool. We were, um, I just had a, just went a trip and we actually went through Amsterdam. Nice. And everybody in the airport spoke English. And again, it's one of those things I think as an American, you're just spoiled because yes. most places you go, somebody speaks English yep. and it's kind of a unique thing with, with us being um, American and somehow that's so, and somehow intertwined in there. I know, yeah. I know. It's kind of crazy but no that that's very cool um, that you have that experience really most of your adolescence then really I mean you you mm. were overseas so to speak all of your adolescence now do you you obviously consider yourself then an American though it sounds like the way that you're talking and all of that I mean obviously you're an American citizen but it's so it's but your background is not really here as far as from your adolescent standpoint yeah that's right I, I was actually a dual citizen with Germany until I was 18 and then I had to pick okay um, because they don't at the time they didn't have reciprocity with us and so I couldn't keep dual citizenship gotcha um, but so I so I obviously I kept American. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I I really don't. I mean, I went to school with um, other military brats. Okay. And also international students, um, which is why I have the American accent, and and we learned um, our our curriculum followed American education models, which is why all of us had to come over here to college. Yeah. Um, because the secondary education over there is so much different. We couldn't have gone to like a, an English university. Um, they, their, their high school, for example, is five years, not four. Okay. And I graduated in, in England on a, on a base. Gotcha. Um, so, so we all ended up coming back over here. Okay. Um, and we're scattered now, of course. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we, in fact, even like class reunions, we pick, every five years, we pick a, a city, just a random city around the world and we go and visit because our like nobody's at the base anymore. Right. You know? so right. Absolutely. So is that kind of you're you're describing them as almost kind of like a family? So like oh you, yeah, you ended up doing a lot of you know with your with your dad and the the, the different tours and everything. Mm -hmm. You guys kind of somewhat moved around a lot. So you mm -hmm. knew certain people for long periods of time. Oh yeah, it sounds like. Yeah, actually, it's funny that you bring that up because when we lived we lived in Holland for the longest period of my life, but it was on two different bases. Um, but so the second base um, was during. It was right after the Berlin Wall came down, and so um, President Clinton at the time was drawing down a lot of um, a lot of bases. We we didn't need the same military coverage that we that we had right. once the Berlin Wall came down. So um, my base in in Holland actually closed. Okay. And so all of us had to go somewhere, yeah. and a lot of us ended up at the next base that I went to, which was a base in England. A lot okay. of us ended up there. Gotcha. <laughs> um, I gotcha. From Holland. So yeah. even my my teachers who were. My, the teachers over there are considered civilians. They're not military. Um, they all moved with us too. Oh, okay. Because so my mom actually taught too, so she uh, okay. she had assignments as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so yeah. So very interesting. No, yeah. that, that's pretty cool. So a lot of a lot of things. What I like to do, just again, trying to give context for the from for the for the audience for who the guest yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you moved around a lot, and mm -hmm. um, so to kind of take me through what that experience is. You know, as a 
again, as a child, you know, adolescence, you're trying to find yourself. We all know the difficulties of that. Um, yeah. And we are slowly seeing, I know that you have a daughter and we're going to slowly see that in our kids of the troubles that they're going to have just let alone in one place, let alone being yeah. bouncing around. Now, yeah. it sounded like you had a little bit of support, so to speak, and there were other kids doing the same thing that you were doing. I'm sure mm -hmm. that had to have uh, a lot of comfort in that, but maybe take me through a little bit of that because I got to imagine that was not very easily done. Yeah, I think actually, I mean, for the kids, um, the good thing was everybody's a new kid at some point. Right. And so we all had the empathy that you need to sort of embrace a new kid yeah. into school. I know for, for our kids who've lived here their whole lives, um, a new kid comes and it's something to talk about. Yeah. But on a base, it's like, well, yeah. Like, I mean, 25% of the school each year was new. Gotcha. Um, and so that helped a lot. But also for me, um, and definitely in, in terms of happiness too, I, I was an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, and so sports really is is what was my survival. Yep. Uh, and I, I made friends immediately yeah. because whatever, whatever season I moved to a new place in was I joined the sport, whatever right. it was. Um, and and um, I was lucky enough to immediately have friends like that. Um, they do say about brats that we, we make friends faster because we are, we do have to adapt and we are yeah. new all the time. Um, and so it is a really like familial, you know, atmosphere. Yeah. Um, but I cannot overstate how much sports helped me with that. Yeah, um, I could see that. I could totally see how, because I was a sports as well, my mm -hmm. all grown up and through mm -hmm. college and still to this day. So yeah. I can totally see how sports would certainly help mend that gap a little bit because you've got instantly a connection, yeah. right? You've got an instant commonality that you can talk about, that you can participate in, and yeah. you've got an instant an instant in there. And also, I guess, too, if you were in an, an environment where, like you said, 25% is new all the time, mm -hmm it's almost like a normality a little bit that yep. there's gonna be somebody new coming in. So I'm sure That's that right. I'm sure that helped a lot to it as well. And yeah, it was huge. I think it was harder for spouses, to be honest. Now that now that I'm a spouse. Right. Um, I can't imagine moving every three years the way the way we yeah. did if I you know, for my mom. Right. For example. Um but uh, they did the same thing. Yeah. You you make friends with people you have in common, things in common with and like um the military has structure set up for that we every place you move they match you with a sponsor family and that family usually has kids the same age as yours right. and sort of and so um you always move in with at least one family that's showing you around certainly um and so those are those were usually our first friends yeah <laughs> um and ended up being our best friends right too, by the end of the tour so but i even now it definitely changes your your perspective on on everything because yeah. even now every three years I have a clock in my head that like every three or four years I'm like yeah. where are we going next yeah like it, I'm ready to right you it know. almost feels stale a little bit because yeah. you're just used to it and that's what I was gonna say I was gonna I was gonna use that word it's so funny to use it of perspective it mm -hmm. probably gives you a different perspective on people you know such as myself like I grew up here in Meadville mm -hmm. I was 18 years through high school I only I went to Barron you know for five okay, years which yeah. is just right up the road yep. Yes, I did move, and I lived in North Carolina for two years, cool. which gave me a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a whole, di I mean, North Carolina, it's like a different whole new world. Yeah, yep. I mean, it's like, you know, let alone different countries. And yep. I'm sure you've got a very unique perspective on things when you, you're talking about people that, that haven't moved around a lot and, mm -hmm. and, and haven't been able to experience some of those different experiences that you have. And um, like I said, perspective is a word that um, I like to use in the, in the realm of happiness mm -hmm. because perspective 
it means a lot. It can shed a lot of things onto different people's lives. And um, a lot of judgment, I think, comes off of misperception. And I think a lot of judgment comes off of, you know, just not having the context of really what the other person's actually living on a day-to-day basis. I totally agree. I think perspective is everything. Everything when it comes to happiness. And um, perspective, although it's, I think it's obviously sort of defined by your life, your life experience, it there is a choice to it too. I think Absolutely. you can be open to yeah. <laughs> gaining perspective. I mean, even here, you grew up here, but it's a college town. Yeah, I, I was just in a training with a woman from Germany. I mean, the, you know, there's diversity here too. Yeah. You just have to find it, you know, and that's that all comes from your perspective, I think, yeah. and whether you want to invite that in or not. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I, I didn't have a choice, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think everybody uh, to some extent can, can find, yeah. you know, new life experiences wherever they are. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like you said, it's somewhat of a lot of it is a choice. And I think, yeah. I think, and I believe that happiness can be a choice as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it can be difficult. It yeah. can be a difficult choice. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be an easy choice, <laughs> Yeah. but I think happiness has a, has a choice element to it. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. Um, and I, I certainly believe that of, you know, waking up each day and making the decision of, okay, maybe I don't feel that great, or maybe I don't feel like being optimistic and, and all of that. And, but again, that's okay. And yeah. I like to think of it of don't judge yourself just as well as you don't want others to judge you in that same light. And yeah. what I mean by that is, is that if you wake up someday and you're just not really feeling that great and, you know, you've come to a four-way stop sign and, you know, listen, I'm going and I just, you know, you go blipe somebody and you didn't let them go through. You can't judge yourself on, listen, that's not how I felt. And that's just, I just, I went through. You, right. You, it doesn't all of a sudden make you the mean person, right? Sure. So um, I think that kind of a, is in there as well. But um, another question I like to ask um, everybody is that what kind of kid were you in the lunchroom? Look, if you describe who you were, I can kind of somewhat guess the answer, but let's go ahead and go through <laughs> the exercise anyways of what kind of kid were you, you know, in the lunchroom? Well, so I, I was not a lunch bringer. Okay. I bought my lunch. Okay, that's important. Or with, you know, with the tickets. Yeah, one or the other. We didn't usually. get to buy. We had a t- we had tickets or yeah. whatever. But I did not. <laughs> I was not a bringer. Okay. But um, I I always invited. I mean, it was who if somebody was sitting alone that I didn't like that. That was mm-hmm. that, that I was really. Uh, Uncomfortable. Yeah, I had a sensitivity to that or yeah. something, and I don't know. You know, if that's like a past life thing, yeah. <laughs> but I had a sensitivity that was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't like that. And yeah. so I would invite them over. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I, yeah. I definitely was a talker in my group. Um, but we, we always invited the new kids or the, or mm-hmm. the kids who might be sitting alone. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Know, yeah. So. Uh, that's very cool. And that speaks to, again, would have somewhat guessed that um, for sure, based on just even these last 10 minutes or whatever it's been, yeah. <laughs> um, that that would have certainly been in there and the little interactions that we've had. So that's pretty cool. Again, I think it's just, it's, it's somewhat of a fun question, kind of gets you a little bit of, of some people's background and kind of yeah. what's there and everything. So, yeah. all right. So we go to James Madison for yeah. um, college, university. Mm-hmm. Is it college? James Madison University? University, university right. Yeah. University. I'm assuming law school comes into place somewhere in there there's obviously some secondary education in there so where do we go from you know into James Madison anything you want to talk about there and then kind of the next steps going forward um well James Madison was incredible um it's the best choice I 
ever made to that point in my life. That's great. Um, it, was, it ended up being a really good fit. And was it a, just a purely blind decision, like you said before? There was yeah. a cousin going there or I went there and you're just, yeah, that's where I want to go. Yeah, I literally, um, I even applied late, actually. <laughs> uh, I, I, and so I, I got in, I had not set foot um, in the state of Virginia okay. until orientation <laughs> right. for, for JMU. Um, and it was amazing. I joined Alpha Phi Omega, which is a service, um, co-ed service fraternity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and pretty much, I, I mean, almost all of my friends from college were are from there. Um, and we we did service every, we had to do 50 hours of service a semester, which, which oh. is a decent amount. Yeah. Um, and um, so that gave me a lot of opportunity to get out into the community a little bit. Um, I, we could choose from various service projects what to do. That was really fun. Um, I did intramural sports there um, because that's what I knew to do to meet people. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it was, I would say it was pretty, it was, I mean, it was, it was huge in shaping my life probably. I, I had my, I ended up, I'm gay and I had my first girlfriend there. Okay. Um, and that was a, scary thing. I can only imagine. Yeah. What time, uh, just again, not to mean you're going to date yourself, but generally when the world <laughs> of okay. years, where are we in the world of like, what year is it? Like what? 1998. Okay. All right. Yeah. Again, just just trying to, in my own mind, about where that is and, you know, it's a difference of 98 or 2008. I mean, there's a, a difference there as far difference, as DJ, yeah. whether you're having it a girlfriend or not. Cool again, yet. I don't know. I'm not, not an cool expert. But it was not cool yet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in fact, it was the year that Matthew Shepard was killed and um, he was killed in Wyoming. He was a college kid um, and uh, a hate crime victim. Mm-hmm. And it was actually what inspired me to come out. I w- And so I came out in rage, not celebration. Okay. <laughs> um, but... Uh, so that happened at JMU, and then uh, I went to I got into grad school, um, and I went to University of Maryland okay. for um, special education, and um, I specialized in secondary ed. So I ended up teaching high school um, learning support. Okay. Um, so my first so I got out of um, school in Maryland, um, and I. It was way too expensive to live there as a teacher by myself. <laughs> I was like, I'll never own a house. Like, this is crazy. So I was living with a bunch of guys, like right. friends. Yeah. And, and so um, I thought, well, where do I kind of have roots in this country? And it, Pittsburgh yeah. is the only place. So and I, literally you're saying in this country. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you can actually say that. <laughs> I can yeah. actually say that. So, um, so I um, moved to Pittsburgh. And my first teaching job was actually at the juvenile detention center there. Um, and... So I had a lot of kids whose lives were just bigger than school. Um, and so I made sure that uh, the law in the U.S. is that if a, if a student is, in, is a special ed um, student uh, and has been diagnosed and has the legal right to accommodations, if, if they are anywhere for more than 72 hours, including jail, they have to have those accommodations. Okay. Um, and so I, my, that was my first job. I made sure that any student that was there for 10 days, two weeks, a month, got their accommodations in school. Right. And they went to school um, in, in prison. And it, it was considered a privilege almost. Um, if you misbehaved, you had to, somebody came to your cell and gave you schooling for the okay. day. But if you, you know, stayed in line, you came to school. 
Right. Um, so, so that exit for a little while yeah, was a it was, big deal. It was great. Right. Yeah. It was it's a big like deal. almost like a weird like work release in some sort of manner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it makes it, sense. They got gym class. Um, we all ate lunch together. It was it's co-ed. Yeah. So they got to hang out with girls, guys. Right. Um, and so that was a big deal for them. And so I made sure that that happened. Um, and then I got out into the public schools. Um, for my second job, and I ended up having a lot of the same kids as you can imagine, because they get out, yeah, and, they're, right. and they get back into back home, and right. so um, that was actually a really huge benefit that I didn't foresee was that I had already established a rapport with some of these kids in a really hard environment. Mm -hmm. So by the time they're more relaxed and at home, and and in a little bit of a healthier place. They already trusted me, right? Um, and that felt really awesome. Yeah. Um, and this is outside of Pittsburgh somewhere. This is in down. This is downtown Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Public Schools. So um, I did that for three years, and then I um, decided to go to law school. Nice. Yes. And so before we go to law school, yeah. Where was the driving factor to get into, you know, special education? You know, I'm sure there's some sort of seeds of the whole idea of somebody sitting alone in the lunchroom, you know, those sort of things. <laughs> Again, I, it's all making sense. I feel but, very seen right now. Um, <laughs> but what, just maybe talk through that a little bit of, you know, because again, mm -hmm. You know, again, you want to say God bless you, so to speak. But I mean, mm -hmm. not everybody's going to wake up and say, "Hey, I want to work with special needs kids mm -hmm. or anybody that is going to be, you know, a difficult in nature of, of a kid." So, yeah, you talk me through where that decision kind of made, and and again, throughout maybe the James Madison Graduate School process. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think it's it's a it's a lot of factors. Um, yeah. Number one, um, being the new kid, I knew what that felt like. Yeah. Number two, being an athlete, I like underdogs. Yeah. Uh, Who doesn't? Right. <laughs> Number three, and this is a door we've not gone through yet, and we can totally turn around real quick, but I, I'm i an adult child of an alcohol, alcoholic, so okay. I was very... Um, I was in therapy my whole life. I was my dad's now recovering, which is awesome, but yeah. at the time he he was not, and um, so we were all very affected by that. And so I was very... I developed a, a pretty um, huge need for helping other people feel like everything's okay and okay. and yep. we can all totally see that yeah let's get through this together and we can yeah. fit in and whatever right. and then of course being gay I was sort of an underdog again and, yeah um and so I think that drove me to special ed in particular education is just in my blood my mom is a teacher my dad was a and is still now actually a college professor um and so I mean once he retired from the army that's what he does um and so Teaching was always something I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I did, I did have some sort of gut feeling. I think that it wouldn't be forever. I knew I would probably burn out at some point. And obviously, going into a an area like special ed, you burn out much quicker. I, think I would that, imagine. Yeah, the average career span for a special educator is three years, um, which is what I lasted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my friends who are still doing it are just incredible. Yeah. Incredible people. Um, but. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's what drove me to that yeah. specific and that, area. Yeah, and it makes a whole lot of sense. Do you think that you were, because another big word that I like to use is self-awareness. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I think that that's one of the keys of many of them with, with perspective mm -hmm. and judgment is to being happy, is to understanding yourself. Uh, me too. The, I the, totally The most out of anything. And yeah. Do you think, because for me, it was not certainly in college. It was much later. I understood myself a little bit, I mm -hmm. think, through college. Um, I think it took several years later to actually understand myself. 
you think it was just you were following your gut, or do you think you were actually were self aware enough to know that that's kind of why you were going there? Is that no, kind of I, this is retroactively thinking of yeah, these no. are the boxes and this is why I did this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't even close enough. No, no, no not <laughs> okay. even close. All right. I'm still learning. Yeah, you know? right. Um, Which we all are. Yeah, yeah. It was gut. It yeah. was all gut. Um, I've gotten through most of life on gut feelings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even still. So it's a great way to live. Yeah, yeah. It's I and I've been lucky enough to I've got the Irish luck, I guess, because I've. Yeah. It has kept me afloat, um, but yeah, that I say all of those factors in complete retrospect. I right. don't think I could have named a single one at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is again understandable. Yeah. I just sometimes like to bring that to everybody's minds. Sometimes you know, with the audience of yeah. that, we talk about self awareness, and I talk to you know, you're the third person in a row that I've talked to that is clearly very self aware, mm -hmm. and. I try to get to the point of what you made for me of that nobody, we don't know that we're, we don't know it yet, right? No. I mean, it, it, you don't it know takes, what you don't know. Yeah, right? exactly. And it <laughs> takes a long time to get to be self-awareness yeah. and we're all going to continue to grow and all that. So yeah. that's kind of why I went to that. So, all right. So back to the story, we go to, um, we're getting somewhat burnt out in Pittsburgh. We're getting to the point of, well, you want to go to grad school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, um, I, I, my actual vision initially was education advocacy. Okay. Um, because I had taught in the jail system and in public schools where it, inner city public school, which is severely underfunded mm -hmm. in, in the United States in particular, but Pittsburgh too, um, uh, I, I thought these kids need advocates really for some of the, for some of the legal proceedings they go through um, whether they're suing for accommodations or whether they're in trouble okay. and they need, you know, a public defender or something. Right. Um, so that was my vision going to law school. Mm -hmm. um, law school was great, amazing, hardest thing I've ever done, but I loved it. Yeah. Um, but I got out in 2009, which was uh, the recession. Yes. And so no education firms in Pittsburgh, there are only two anyway, they weren't hiring. Yeah. I, nobody was hiring. Nobody, yeah. Um, and so that led me to my next door, again, gut feeling was like the one area of law that's growing in Pennsylvania was oil and gas. Right. And so I did that um, and I've done that since and then I've I've been an adjunct where I can. I, I, I've adjuncted at Edinburgh, Pitt Titusville. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've just jumped around like that until I got here where I could actually I have an office now. Yeah, I'm right, like, yeah. yeah I, it's just glorious. Right, it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I've always had that need to be with students. Yeah. Um, and, and young people. Right. Young students. Um, and I love the environment of a, of a university or a college. Like just the... It, it's not, it's like in the ether. You can just feel like ideas. Yeah, like, it is. Like it's just yeah. the coolest thing. It's like buzzing, you know? Right, yeah. Um, and so I always wanted that. Um, so I did the oil and gas to pay the bills. And, and I've learned a lot about that, about life with that too. Certainly. Um, and finding happiness with the lack of security. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. Because I didn't know that that was possible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, oil and gas, you, you find that out really quickly. Exactly. Exactly. So, and that was a big choice too. I had to learn how to be happy even if I even if I might not have a job on Monday, right? You know, which which has happened multiple times, you know, in my career, in this career. Yeah. So, um, so that's what led me to law school, and then obviously, I sort of had an offshoot. Yeah, <laughs> right. All of these other little offshoots. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. No, that's very cool, and um, I think that you know, 
it's not a again not a surprise that you've always kind of come back to that education and, and and all of that and do you see yourself you know from a from a future standpoint do you kind of see yourself continuing down that path and and maybe even maybe even furthering yourself in the education world i mean it sounds like that's definitely more I don't want to say passion, but kind mm-hmm. of a passion of in the education world specifically, mm-hmm. whether it has to do with law or special mm-hmm. needs or diversity or whatever the case is. Of, mm-hmm. It sounds like that's kind of the direction that you really, really want to go go towards. Yeah, I although I have to say I've I've developed a love for contracts. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> having done what I've done with oil and gas, and so I really do still like that. I I would yeah. love to still have you know sort of a side project going all the time with that, but. Um, being full-time at a college is definitely, I think I would be at a place in my professional life where I could say, like, I love what I do. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's what um, what I call the holy grail, right? Yeah. Like, if you can wake up and you can, you got to be good at it mm-hmm. um, to be the holy grail, and then you also have to love it. And those yeah. two things mesh together, you can really, you can really start moving some things very quickly. I agree. And I think it's rare. Yeah, it is, and it, and that's kind of almost somewhat part of this journey, right? Mm-hmm. To try to maybe inspire somebody to be happy, yeah. and wherever that is, you know, yeah, right. like you're saying, you know, maybe you know, oil and gas thing was just to maybe just to pay the bills, mm-hmm. but it was also to have some of these side things where you are somewhat happy, and maybe that side thing is, uh, you know, going and playing uh, softball on the yeah, weekends or right. three times a week, or going and watching your kid play, or coaching your kid play, yeah. or growing, you know, you know, help growing a family, or there's so many different things of what it could be, yeah, and you know sometimes the ends and justifying the means and, and all of those things that we all know about that um, I think can be just in there, right? It's just a matter of trying to find it. And again, the whole purpose of this is just to make one person happier, yeah, right? Which would be, just to try awesome. to try to give the validation of just find somebody to have them give the option to say, listen, I want to be happy today. Yeah. Um, even if it is just for a day, it doesn't have yeah. to be forever. Oh, right. Even if it's just for today or right now, or just in this moment. Right. Yeah. Nothing's um, permanent anyway. Yeah, so it, yeah, absolutely. And that, 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 that's very cool and, um, and awesome. And, and, and hopefully that, uh, hopefully you're able to continue with, with all that. Yeah. And, thanks. So a couple of little, couple other questions, um, yeah. that I like to talk about and um and get to so um what would you say would be we kind of talked about it a little bit so kind of you can repeat some things certainly by any means but um how would you define success if you had to define it um hmm. that is a a great question (laughs) and actually very difficult um i think now i think if you'd asked me at any point in my life uh up until this phase of my life um, which would probably be motherhood. Motherhood, I think, changed me. But um, yeah. I would have said, like, you know, uh, making money, making yeah. enough money to live and, right. and all that stuff. I, I, Although I know that that's a necessary thing, mm-hmm. um, I would not say that anymore. I think um, success is going to bed every night feeling like you're proud of who you are and you're proud of the way you treat people um, you're proud of the people around you. I think it's so much less tangible and materialistic than I ever thought it was before. Um, and I do think having my daughter change that for yeah. me. Um, and, and like therapy and stuff too, yeah. of course. <laughs> but like, I, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that's success. I think yeah. feeling like you were the best person you could be today, no right. matter what you did, whether yeah. you worked or you didn't work or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. 
that's such an awesome answer, right? I mean, <laughs> you said that that was a difficult question. You said it was difficult to answer, but you answered it in such a way that was unbelievable, not only for my Thanks. podcast, oh, um, because that fits right in line <laughs> right. with what I've said before. Right. Of It's not about the money you make. It's mm. not about what your house looks like or the you know the items that you buy or what your car looks like or any of those things. It's, just, right. it's just not, right? And then you can get into this level of a little bit of a debate and different things of what that looks like for mm. everybody. But in my opinion, it's all those things are really to impress others mm -hmm. and not necessarily to press yourself for sure if some of them for some reason are to impress yourself then go all for it like if that's if agree. that gucci bag makes you feel better yeah like you buy that gucci bag girlfriend right present yeah exactly i mean yeah, that is sure. all that's what it is but it, the the minute that you're buying a fancy car mm -hmm. to try to throw it in the face of somebody that you don't even like right that's not the direction you want to go no. right that's not that's not the whole point of this and and if if you are Again, and I would just encourage you to ask, you know, the people in the audience of just to think about it of what are, why are you buying those things? Yeah. You know, are you buying them to make yourself feel good instead of, you know, having, again, just trying to flash it for keeping up with the Joneses mm -hmm. or whatever the, the cliche term is of the time? For sure. And I think the best way, if you don't know the answer, the best way to find the answer is once you've bought the thing, do you feel the satisfaction that you was the void is the void filled right like the craving that you had to buy that thing yeah is it gone now right because if it's not you bought that for the wrong reason yeah, something else <laughs> yeah exactly so that's a great way to put it yeah you totally bought it for some, mm -hmm. something else in another way to yeah do that. if you bought the gucci bag and you're like yes i feel yeah. this gucci bag <laughs> that's all i needed then you bought it for the right reason right but if you if you don't feel that um after you buy something yeah you've You've gone off the path. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's part of that. Um, another thing that I always talk about, or I try to talk about, is the the, the trying. Mm -hmm. Right? You don't know, as you mentioned, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And you you so you've got to try those things in order to see if that's where it is or not. For sure. And sometimes you got to try it a couple times. Sometimes mm -hmm. you got to try it for a good period of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm doing a podcast. I just started it. Mm -hmm. I was an itch. I was going to try to scratch it. I'm going to yeah, see right. if it actually satisfying. Or yeah, not. Right, We're right. going to see what goes with this. I have no idea. And, yeah. Um, you just try it. Mm -hmm. And I think I try to um, let people know that. You're doing it for yourself, and that's the reasons that you do it, right? Yep. You're not doing it for somebody else, yep. like we've been talking about. And if you are doing it for yourself, then that's where it's going to get good. It yeah, gets really exactly. good, right? For sure, for sure. There's this other thing, other term that I like to use, and it's uh, selfishly selfless. Oh, I love that term. Right? Yeah. So I don't know if you've, you've probably heard that before. Again, I didn't make this up. I just have heard it and I, I try to use it a lot because mm -hmm. it just makes sense mm -hmm. where you're doing something that's selfishly. You're selfishly doing it because it makes you feel good. Yeah. But the act is ultimately selfless. Yep. Right? I love that. The simplest way I have to explain it is that you're walking in a, into a market or a door, some sort of door that doesn't hold up open by itself. <laughs> right. And there's somebody behind you that you open the door for and you let them go through. Mm -hmm. Opening the door for somebody else, right? Because it makes you feel good, mm -hmm. but it's also a selfless act that you're doing something for somebody else with you want nothing in return. You know, you That's don't right. want them to buy you a turkey when you go in the grocery store. Right. You just want to hold the door open for <laughs> right. them. Yeah. And the intent of doing things is kind of melded into there as well of it's such it's what is the intent of what you're doing and, and mm -hmm. it can be it can be so powerful oh yeah it's huge yeah. i feel like yeah it's at least 50 percent of the task don't yeah, you think right absolutely like and and the thing is it should be as important to you that it feels good to you right 
as it does. I mean, there's a reason on an airplane that they tell you to put on your mask first. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like, absolutely. if you're not taking care of yourself, nobody else is going to feel. Yeah what they need to feel from you either. Right. So yeah, Absolutely. I, that's, I love that term. Yeah. Selfishly selfless. Other thing that I like to talk about um, is, and I, and I don't think I've talked about it yet, is a little bit more into diving into judgment. Okay. Um, so we talked about it a little bit earlier um, yeah. and I just want to kind of get your thoughts on of sometimes your insecurities can mm -hmm. hold people back, can hold you back. Um, yes. I think that, you know, you certainly, some of the things that you've already said are very obvious that you're definitely of that candidate where mm -hmm. a lot of times, your insecurities seem like the boogeyman, so mm -hmm. to speak. Yeah. And until once you turn the light on or you open the closet door mm -hmm. and you show the world the boogeyman, mm -hmm. all of a sudden he's not a boogeyman anymore. Mm -hmm. And by kind of exposing some of those insecurities to the world or to whomever your circle is, mm -hmm. sometimes can give you like this almost freedom a little bit. Huge, yeah. Right? Huge I mean, freedom. I'm assuming that that has happened throughout your life, it sounds like maybe multiple times. Yeah, probably. And yeah. to be able to, so just kind of talk about that a little bit of somebody that's literally have some pretty concrete examples of, of some of that happening. Well, the fact that you use the term closet door, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. I, but it works, <laughs> right? It worked. It worked. <laughs> no, um, yeah, that was obviously my biggest fear growing up. I always knew, even before I had a vocabulary for it, I knew I was different mm -hmm. than other girls in particular. Um, yeah. And I didn't know why, I didn't know what it was, I didn't know the name of it, whatever. I, one thing about growing up in the military, um, there's racial diversity everywhere and I'm, it's incredible to be able to live in that. Yeah. But when I was, when my dad was in the military, when I was growing up, there was not any other diversity in terms of LGBTQ that was not embraced. In fact, in, in the beginning of my life, it was criminalized. Yeah. Then Don't Ask, Don't Tell happened, but that was still horrific and scary and yeah. it was still very much like don't ask don't tell is exactly the boogeyman yeah it's right like, well you you can't i can't talk about this yeah um even though talking about it would like you say make it be much less yeah scary much less of a thing exactly it, the taboo is gone right. if you just talk about it but so i grew up around all that also my mom is irish catholic <laughs> and so that was terrifying <laughs> as well um um so i i definitely uh it was, I cannot overstate how often it was on my mind. Yeah. Um, and before I had the vocabulary for it, m even worse after, um, and just trying to figure out if it would ever be okay or if I would ever be able to at least change myself so I don't have to do it, like be that person. Right. Um, and um, I tried. I tried very hard before I came out to, to just like fit in, right. you know? Um, and I, it just wasn't something I could do. I, I could not, I did not know happiness until I just was who I am. Right. Like I, until yeah. I could just, until I was like, you know what? And I mean, um, it wasn't a peaceful process coming out. I, my mom wasn't supportive right away. Um, my dad immediately was, but my mother wasn't. Um, I, I, most of my friends were fine, but again, it was still pretty it was still a pretty turbulent time for yeah. for that. Um, and there was still, I mean, for, for men in my community, the, the AIDS crisis obviously has never stopped, but it was still pretty, the peak of it was was around that time. Um, hate crimes, we weren't, we weren't protected by hate crimes, all kinds of, there was, there was just fear everywhere. Absolutely. Um, and so, but, but, like you said, just saying it, just finally being like, you know what, I can't, 
fake this anymore. <laughs> like, I just can't do it anymore. Right. Um, kicking that door open was like, oh, my God. Like, even even the year or so that my mom and I really butted heads about it and, and she really didn't have the, re- the reaction I needed from a mother. Yeah. Um, even that year, I was like, no, but I'm going to be all right. Because yeah. at least everybody now knows who I am. Right. I mean, I... I cannot tell you the lengths I went to to cover that up for my whole life. I'm sure. Um, and so, yeah, that that was huge. It was huge. And, and yeah, I mean, people judged. Yeah. And I'm sure people might still. I don't sure. know if it's the same Maybe anymore. Not. Hopefully not. Yeah. But, but um, I mean, it was, it, that, that totally turned my life. It just 180, I was able to learned so much more about myself that I had that I didn't realize was connected to that right. core of who I was. I was able to become so much self-aware, so much more self-aware um, just in general, just yeah. things I liked, things I didn't like, people I liked to hang out with, people I didn't like to hang out with. Because all of that was, I was, I was tunnel vision um, before I came out. Yeah. Just, okay, I'm going to hang out with who I need to hang out with so that the perspective from everybody else is, right. that's a straight girl. Yeah. Right. I mean, all of that stuff. And so yeah. I hung out with jerks sometimes. Right. Like, and then once I realized like, no, I don't, I actually don't care if you yeah. realize I'm gay or not. Then it was like, <laughs> oh, I also don't like you much. Like right. I'd rather, yeah. you know, I, hang out with somebody else. Yeah, hang yeah. out with somebody who makes me feel a little better. So, um, yeah, that I would say in terms of judgment, that was <laughs> yeah the holy grail. Yeah, right. That's the holy grail. There's <laughs> so, no doubt about that. Yeah. yeah. Some of the things that I always that I like to talk about in in regards to that, and I guess before I go there, I commend you, obviously, and oh, anybody thanks, that does DJ. that. I mean, again, that's not that. It's one of those things where you know I just got done talking about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, right, right. That's really not that hard compared to growing up with what you were had to grow up with and where you had to go. So total commitment well, thank there. Thank you, right? but I, I again, I know you're not asking for it. Yeah, <laughs> with Kilimanjaro. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> that wasn't a plug there. I just I'm just trying to compare it in relative and. In, in real time um, yeah. and you know uh, and, and, appreci- and can only appreciate only appreciate what all of that meant having said all of that there this maybe not something as heavy as that mm-hmm. um, but I still think it somewhat applies to that is that it's almost like okay yeah the boogeyman's not scary anymore as mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier I like to also reference and I heard it um, the other day of that there's going to be a portion of people, a good amount of portion of people that don't even care about your insecurities, right? For sure, yeah. So yeah, a lot yeah, of insecurities right. might not be as heavy as coming out of the closet. Mm-hmm. Some of them may be something small, like smaller, right? Yeah. Like even minuscule that you're making yeah. up into this big thing. Yeah. And guess what? Everybody has their own problems, yeah. right? I mean, everybody else has an issue. Mm-hmm. Everybody else has their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. They really don't care about yours. Right. Even some people in your inner circle don't really care about your insecurities. No. No. So it's a lot not. easier. Let's just go ahead and expose them. Let's just yeah. say what they are, and then we don't need to worry about that. Yeah. And you're you're so right. I my mom used to always say like, nobody's worried about you. <laughs> I mean, exactly. and this was like when I would be like, oh, I don't like this shirt. It look I look stupid in this. You know, in high school. Like, yeah. Right. I, I hate this shirt. I don't want to wear this shirt. And my mom would be like, nobody's gonna be looking at you yeah, today. Right. Everyone else is worried about their shirts. Yeah. You know. I mean. Absolutely. And and it is it is it's all perspective. My yeah. I mean. Coming out was was a, I guess in in the grand scheme of things in in life that was a big deal. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. What matters is who who the feeler is, right? And Correct. so yeah, that feels big to me. And maybe this person doesn't have the same gravity to their issue. Right. But it still feels the same to them. Yeah. I right. Mean, they, 
I, I guarantee you, like, they're like, Absolutely. no, I, I am as scared as you are. Yeah. And even if it's, you know, not mm -hmm. the same sort of life-changing right. issue. Yeah. Um, and so you have to respect that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You have to respect it. Yeah. 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 You have to respect it. And I'm not trying to say, and I know you're not suggesting it, that I'm not respecting it. It's, it's just one of those things that that's a perfect example of kind of shedding the light or opening the door, yeah. so to speak. And it actually then, it leads you to happiness, which yeah. is what this whole thing for me is all about. And you can look back and be like, God, that was really small. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Like, it really is. Like, it's like nobody cares when you're in high school about the pimple on your face. Exactly. Everybody else got their own pimples, right? right? Like, they don't care. Right. Really, it doesn't matter. Although there are still ones that keep me up, like, at night now. I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was so embarrassing. <laughs> no, there's no doubt about it. Um, no doubt about it at all. Well, I can tell you what. I don't really have a whole lot of the things unless you have something else um, that you want to bring up in this open platform. But this has been great. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing you. this. Um, thanks for letting me just saying yes to it. I mean, yeah. I've been surprised where almost every single person I've asked, they've said yes. So I, this might be not as hard as maybe I was thinking it was going to be. I don't, I hope not. <laughs> well, that's another, I'll give a quick plug. Okay. If, so uh, looking for happiness, you say yes to everything. Yeah, I, I've, true. I learned that a long time ago. <laughs> don't say no to things. Just true. if you don't like them, okay. Yeah. So you learned you don't like them. Right. But maybe you'll love them. Right. So yeah. And you, you don't yes. know what's going to happen, right? That's right. You just don't know. Say yes, always. Well, we are done saying yes for now. So I appreciate everybody listening to this, and we'll see you on the other side. Thanks, DJ. Absolutely. Thank you. That was awesome. I'm glad. That was really fun. <laughs>